Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I told y'all, you had 35 minutes to do this, guys. All right, we're going to start the show because every first show, Jeffrey, you're drinking. You know, you know Let's play the intro. I wanna, I'm blue, blue. I don't want to tell you how I literally have my little bar right here by my feet. So I will be refilling <laughs> as we go along. Let's get as much of the show as we can up before Jeffrey's drinks kick in. Let's hit it. <laughs> let's play the intro music. This is hilarious. You don't need to cut my video. He told me to cut my video. You're fine, Jeffrey. The show's starting. <laughs> You're so lucky. You're pretty. I love you. Oh, I love you too, love. I love you too. Hey everybody, welcome to Humanize with Blue Toulousma. I am your host, Blue Toulousma, and as you can see, this is my good friend, Jeff. <laughs> what up? Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey, you have to be my first guest because you are a fellow tourist, and so I felt like you would feel like home, right? Tourists feel like the human version of like macaroni and cheese, and I needed somebody that I was really comfortable with to have all the kinks and bobbles worked out for the first episode. So thank you for joining us. Of course, anytime. I think it's going to be funny for the folks who are watching on Patreon to see all of the behind the scenes stuff. If y'all could see where my uh, associate producer Lamar is sitting on the floor <laughs> in front of an ottoman. <laughs> I love you, Lamar. Lamar's like, Lord, I'm getting paid for this, whatever. All right. So today's show is going to be fun because Jeffrey, I'm in Los Angeles, but you are in Miami. I am in Miami, Florida right now. I eat the scene of, of the crime for, for all of those who went to Rolling Loud. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah how was that um so I have to say I it honestly I didn't feel like it was a big festival going on but that's because I'm downtown Miami the festival is actually up in uh Miami Gardens area so there's uh, a lot going on up there because I was even saying to some friends like the city it seems quiet for it to be a big three-day music festival going on so you're in downtown Miami is that a flex is Jeffrey saying he has money you know I'm too old that's to right. be on South Beach like South Beach is for 27 and under. I'm How old are you, gonna... Jeff? Oof. I am. I just turned 35 this year. The fact that you said oof. Because, <laughs> Blue, I don't know if I've been dealing with it good. Like, really? You're older so than... pretty, though. How are you my not dealing with well? My shoulder been hurting. My knee been hurting. And I am so sorry. Let me turn all sounds off of my devices. Jesus don't, Christ. Please don't get booty calls during the first podcast. You know, it is after 9 o'clock here, so... Oh, you're right. So it's like six something on the on the West Coast, which means like nine something. Oh, I like that for you, though. That means you're nine loose. <laughs> yeah, everybody. That's why that's why I'm already drinking, because the sun is down and it's time to relax. I am drinking water. Cheers, Blue. I, I think it's bad luck to cheers with water. So I'll, it I'll, actually I'll, is. You know what? I'll cheers with some. You know what? I have some cannabis edibles. I'll cheers you with my edibles. There <laughs> actually, we go. I want to eat some, but I don't want to do that on the first episode. I want them to think I'm a nice lady no, first. Do it, do it, do it. So 
because I'm in the state of Florida and it's uh -huh. not technically legal for recreation like in California, I took mine before we started recording. Oh, you know. Jeffrey, not technically legal is called illegal. Well, it's legal for me medicinal purposes. <laughs> he said it's not technically legal. Okay, let's get right into hot topics because let's go. a lot has happened. Um, the first thing I want to talk to you about is Rolling Loud. Um, you know, I work at the Griot during the daytime. And everywhere I looked, there was headlines about your friend, um, the baby. Blue. I literally what said, I said, Rolling Loud must have been boring because all weekend I didn't hear nothing. And today, when I woke up and got on Twitter, I see the baby trending. And I'm just like, oh, performance must have been great. What's happening? What's happening? I don't know why I opened Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that was problematic. For those of you who don't know, uh, the baby decided to go on a bit of a anti-gay, uh, anti-HIV in 2021, um, like rants and said, you know, if if you're not sucking a peen in, in the it backyard. Was, it was so specific. He said, your... he said, can I, can I use profanity out here? Yeah, go for it. He said, if you are not sucking dick in the parking lot, that is very specific. First of know. all, what's wrong with sucking dick in the parking lot? I feel what's like you don't know people's lives. Like you somebody had a hard week and that's how they release. See what I did there. Um, what was the point of that? And why bring up HIV? That was it, bizarre. It was just so out of left field. I don't, because I wasn't at the show, I'm like, what song did he perform as the lead into that rant? Like, right. or what song was after the rant? Like, did it make sense for somebody? Cause it didn't make sense for us. Well, he got hit by an Adidas. Somebody threw an Adidas at him. I saw, he he dodged it. He did, he had re good reflexes, but somebody threw it. I actually, <laughs> Blue, I actually <laughs> tweeted today. Cause on again, Twitter, I love Twitter. Uh, quarantine made me get back on Twitter, but I actually tweeted, uh, we know who threw the shoe at him. And I put a picture of Mama Joyce from Housewives when she's in that store, <laughs> throwing that shoe at Carmen. <laughs> well, he's lucky it was just a shoe because you know Party does not play when it comes to Megan. And speaking of Megan, after making the homophobic, random anti-HIV stuff that he said, then he brought out somebody in a costume and then Tory Lane's little ass jumped out. I'm so confused. And he also performed his verse from Megan's song, Cry Baby. This feels like such a pointed, jab at Megan Thee Stallion. And my question is, why are they so mad? Like if I shot somebody, well, allegedly, let me be responsible. Allegedly. If allegedly. I allegedly shot somebody, why would I be so mad, right? And if I'm the friend of the person or the former friend of the person who got shot, why are they mad at her? Do you, do you have any like theories about that? Cause I do. So again, watching the uh, clips and everything that are on social media and on Twitter and everything, when the baby was like, I got a surprise guest and you know, did the countdown, pulled the head off the whatever, I had no idea who the fuck that was. You I was really? still, <laughs> I promise you, I was sitting there, I was squinting and I was like, maybe it's a bad quality video. I'm zooming in and everything. I had no idea who it was. So I kept scrolling and people were like, oh, Tory Lanez, Tory Lanez. I canceled Tory Lanez after the whole shooting and everything happened. Um, yeah. And so for the baby to do that, it's crazy because I'm always like, you know, this is why I stopped saying I like people or giving them too much credit because I was just this weekend saying, mm -hmm. I actually like the baby. I think it would be dope if him and Meg, because they have a good chemistry. On, oh, they have a uh, great record. chemistry. Yeah. yeah. I was literally just saying how it would be dope if they did some type of like EP or even an album together, like him and her, Ooh. it would be great. And then to see what he did 
Sunday, it was Sunday night, right? Yeah, I don't know. Nobody talked about Rolling Loud at all this weekend, which tells me exactly probably so wasn't that popular. Over the weekend, whatever day it was, I was just like, what? Yeah, it just all seemed like little dick energy to me. It's just, it's, I don't, I don't get it. Listen, I stand with the women, protect the stallion. You know, it has, just sorry. like I just got back on Twitter. Y'all not finna cancel me. I just got back. You know what's so interesting though? I looked at the crowd because the only thing I saw from Rolling Loud pre this fragile masculinity duet that happened was a screen like grab of Lotto, who I love, Big Lotto. Say it with your chest. Big Lotto. And when they scanned and they showed the audience, it seemed like a trillion people were all squished together like sardines. And my first thought was, does COVID know about this? Because it's... Is the pandemic over and nobody told us? Because I don't understand how you could be around that many people in Miami and not feel like, ooh, I might go back home with the ick. You know what I mean? I, I completely understand the want and the desire to get back to normal. I miss festivals. I miss concerts. Specifically, honestly, Boo, the biggest thing I miss are the events in LA. Like, we right. had some dope events. You went to the last one. It was the... um. The Hillman, when the one that uh, Lena had. Yes, the Hillman Rap Productions Party with Lena. That was amazing. Yes, so good. I missed the event. So now to see people just act as if the pandemic is over. And again, I'm I'm hoping that a lot of those people in the audience were vaccinated. Oh, child, come on now. You know it's, they weren't. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I was like, I couldn't do it. I, I could not do it. Are you vaccinated? Oh, I don't want to answer that on because you know it's such a let me tell you something, right? And this is why I asked that question because I'm an interesting hybrid where I did not want to get vaccinated. And I think we have to be honest about why black people in particular do have PTSD around government sanctioned vaccinations. Right. It wasn't until Antonio, you know Antonio. I've known Antonio for over yeah. 20 years. Yeah. He literally called me. Yeah, we love Antonio. He literally called me and said, I know you want to see your mother. And that this is the only way you'll be able to see her. I booked you an appointment. You're going with me tomorrow. See you at 930. Mm. If he had not done that, I would not have been vaccinated. I don't regret it, but it took all of that. Somebody literally had to hold me by the hand and schedule it for me for me to even get vaccinated. Here's the thing that makes me nervous, though, because I actually think that there's an argument to get vaccinated, obviously. And mm-hmm. there's also an argument to be nervous, right? Both arguments can coexist. Yes. What I get nervous about is when people who are not vaccinated say, oh, my cousin is vaccinated. She still got COVID, so never mind. And I'm just like, but hold on, though. Vaccinations are like condoms. Just because right. your homegirl got knocked up despite wearing Listen. a condom Listen. doesn't necessarily negate the need for a condom. So if and- you want a raw dog, you are free to shoot up the club. But let's not act like condoms don't have a purpose. So for me, I'm getting a little bit nervous about the rhetoric from both sides. Yeah. I don't like folks who are forcing people to get vaccinated. But I also don't like the people who are not vaccinated who are acting like there's no reason why we should either. Like, uh, you're both yeah. making me a little nervous. I mean, what I will say, um, and, you know, every, every, again, like I said, both sides, people have opinions. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I, I am not at all an anti-vaxxer. I believe in science. Um, have I been vaccinated yet? No, I have not. But not because I'm like scared the government trying to kill black people, you know, all the other foolishness that everybody is saying. For me, honestly, because it is science, I just did feel like I wanted to allow the vaccine to get out there to yep. see, you know, if it had to be any, because, you know, they had to um, recall the Johnson and Johnson one for a short minute. And then they also did a, a short uh, recall on, I can't remember if it was Pfizer or Moderna, but they did on one of those. 
And for me, it's kind of just like, you know, whenever Apple releases an iPhone. Exactly. That's some, exactly what I used to say. It's always I, want, some I don't shit. want the first iPhone. I don't want the right blue. It's always something wrong with it. And what happens? They take it back, they fix it, and then they give it back. So honestly, I did say top of the year that I will be first in line. I just wanted to honestly just give it a chance to get the kinks out. But right. I am not an anti-vaxxer. And I what I do is, you know, I just do my best to get tested as regularly as possible. When I travel, I get tested. When I come back home, I get tested. So I've had that damn stick up my nose like more mm. times than I would like to count. I mean, I hate to say it, but when I got the COVID test, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't feel it because I don't have a gag reflex. So the stick Ooh. never, <laughs> Jeffrey, no, that was not meant to. Humanized. <laughs> Humanized. <laughs> That's the teaser, Lamar. That's the teaser. Lamar's like, I just, I just work here. <laughs> no, seriously. Like I didn't feel it when it happened, but no, I had to do it because of my mom. My 75 year old mother was living in Boston and Boston was not allowing anybody from New York or LA without being vaccinated or a two week quarantine. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason I finally did it. But no, I'm actually happy I did it now just because I don't know. I got it out the way. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, a lot of people are saying they're scared to get vaccinated because of fertility. And I've actually spoken to a lot of uh -huh. doctors who said the 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 chances of the COVID vaccine affecting your fertility or affecting your fertility adversely are so low. But mm -hmm. the probability of you getting Delta without it are very high. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, we're going to play that game. Be a little bit careful. Uh, speaking of fertility, there's one couple that I hope doesn't have children until they've gotten some extreme therapy. Uh -oh. And that is the couple from the slavery photo shoot. Jeff, did you see that? The slavery Ooh. engagement photo shoot? I just, I, I just knew it had to be a joke. I was like, somebody has once again went down into a Twitter rabbit hole and found some old shit from like back when we was cussing out Paula Dean for having that slavery party like the I queen knew that of butter. for that, those who don't know about the slavery photo shoot there's a couple a black man and a white woman who dressed up like slavery times one is a slave one is master's <laughs> daughter <laughs> and for their engagement shoot she like found shackled. him in the field shackled <laughs> and unshackled him with her white woman love and that was the photo shoot and they were in the the cornfields together dressed like kunta and master's like, wife and it was awkward Blue, what in God's name allowed this black man to go along with putting these chains on that? But you know, honestly, that's one of those things where it's just, I wish it wouldn't have got um, passed around so much because they were just looking for attention. They were looking for a viral moment. I think mm -hmm. so many people are just trying to be on shade room, whatever, whatever. They were looking for a viral moment, not caring about what the blowback would be. So it was stupid. Um, but I just I saw it. I laughed at it. But do you think on. it's a real? It's a first of all. Do you think it's a real post? Do you think it's a real post? Do you think like they really are an engaged couple, or do you think this is a clout chase? I hope to God it's a clout chase and not think, a real couple. I, honestly, I'm gonna go with they are a real couple, but they did it as a clout chase. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. That is so gross to me. And you know what the funny thing is when it comes to interracial relationships, I have a very nuanced view. I mean, I I tend to have a nuanced I view. I hate them. <laughs> like, here's the thing, right? I know a lot of people think that all Black people hate um, interracial relationships. I have a lot of friends who are who are the products of interracial relationships. A couple of my exes are mixed. This is my view, right? If you are running towards love, if you just happen to fall in love with somebody who does not look like what you expect, 
I can rock with that. Back in the 90s, I thought for a, a split second I was going up with John B, right? Oh. So if you just have to look at just Because that nigga has soul. He has soul, okay? <laughs> so, like, if you're running towards love and you, it happens to be a person of another race, I, I can actually leave room for that. Yes. But if you make sure that you never date anybody who looks like your mother or your sisters because the thought of having a black woman by your side makes your booty itch, that I have a problem with because you're not running Ooh. towards love, you're running away from blackness. You hit it on the on the, the nail on the head because mm -hmm. my thing is, I don't have, I really don't have an issue with people dating outside their race. You know, you should do what you want to. My issue is, and specifically, I'm sorry, it's when black men say it, when they say they yeah. only date white women. Oh. Honestly, when, when black women say it, I'd be like, look, y'all, the shit that y'all have to go through. <laughs> dealing that's with, all that's left. When we say it's because we have no choice. Y'all, <laughs> women can say it and I don't get as mad but when black men stand there and say, oh, I only date white women and give whatever bullshit reason, I'm like, isn't your mother a black woman? If you have sisters, aren't they black? What about grandma? Your cousins. Cousins. Like, I don't know. Again, if you could certain parts of the world where you may have grown up, like, you know, Portland or even I spent a couple months in Minneapolis a few years ago. And there it's very much like you have very slim pickings of people of mm -hmm. color, especially in those small towns. So I get it when you end up with what you see, go to school with, grow up with. But when you just specifically seek out that pale, milky <laughs> skin uh, as a preference, I'm sorry, I can't rock with you. I have nothing against our, our, our white viewers. I just Nothing know, against them. But I know that they know that fetishizing is real from both sides, right? Because there's also some white women who only date black men. Yes. And I, I do understand that. Let's be honest. And the people get so oh, mad when look, I say this. It's very triggering to me when I see black men, like if they post their white girlfriend, again, they're throwing the interracial, but when they're like, oh, my queen, oh, my uh, queen. Ooh, yeah. that is a trigger. Ooh, that is a trigger. <laughs> I, I, I didn't Tyrese call his racially ambiguous white presenting, but still technically black wife is queen. People lost their minds. And that's another thing too, right? We have to be honest about whiteness or blackness. Race is not just about genetics. It's also about the visuals and it's a social thing, right? Race yeah. is a social construct. So if you are white presenting, the fact that you are one 17th Nigerian three places moved over doesn't negate the fact that you have a proximity to whiteness that still gives you white privilege right so let's call let's keep it a buck here and yeah. for me I'm gonna be honest with y'all if we ever think about the 70s and what visual uh denotes the 70s we think of the bell bottoms and the pin straight hair or the curly afros, afros. Or, or the glam right or disco yes. we think about 80 we think about you know the big shoulder pads Let's be honest. When we think about the 2010s, we think about a Kardashian with a black man on, on her shoulder. So <laughs> let's be clear. When our kids look back at the 2010s, they're going to be dressing in Hervé Liget bodycon dresses with a Reggie Bush slash Kanye West slash Nick Cannon slash Ray J, who else you've been with, uh, person next to them. And that's the look of the 2010s. And so I think it's been a little bit dangerous that we're now turning black men into accessories, even though they, they seem to like it. Um, and also too, Jeff, like, have you ever heard of something called the desirability uh, hierarchy? I have not. Break it down for me. Let's so, go. Ready. There's, a, there's a food chain for everything in life, right? Like okay. we know how in India they have a caste system, like rich and poor. I like how America, you started with the analogy of a food chain because you know I'm a chef, so bam. Exactly. And oh, by, by the way, we didn't properly introduce Jeff. He's a uh, media personality and a celebrity personal chef and the best foodie I know. Jeff's oh. taste is impeccable. Jeff, plug your page real quick. You know, y'all can find Best Kept Secrets, I-N-T-L, Instagram, Jeffro5, all that. And for those of you who are not watching on Patreon, who are listening to us, Jeff is a very handsome man. 
thank you. See, Blue, listen, you you want me to come back next week? Look, Jeff, you can, I just want you can be coming back monthly. I want to see your face every month. But no, like the desirability food chain is a real thing and it's steeped in history. So like, I love how when I'm about to say something that's fact-based and people say, I don't agree. You don't get to disagree with facts, guys. I'm gonna like say facts. I'm gonna say one more time for the folks in the back. What I'm about to present is based on research data and historical analysis, and you don't get to disagree or agree with facts. It's just but blue, fact. but blue, but blue, but blue. Did you not learn between the years 2016 until 2020? Uh -huh. People do not care about facts. Yeah, so we're just gonna hope that those people went to the bathroom during this segment. All right, so desirability <laughs> food chain is this at the top of the food chain when it comes to gender are black men because they were hypersexualized as mandingos, right? Mm -hmm. That's why when they came as slaves, they were seen as animals and they were told that they had these huge brutish penises. That's where that whole stereotype comes from because they were being dehumanized. The show is called Humanize, right? So I'm there always go. gonna point out when someone's being dehumanized. So black men are at the top of the food chain, not because they're seen as amazing, but because they're seen as basically big old stallions like animals for breeding. Mm -hmm. Also on the top of the food chain are white women. All beauty standards are based on white womanhood. That white women are the pearls of white supremacy. So anybody who's attractive, whether it's the Asian community, the black community, the Latin, the Latinx community, it's always about how close are you to a white woman? Question so, for you, Blue. Mm -hmm. not, not to interrupt your point, Blue, because I don't want to forget this, though. So back, you know, back then, all the way, all the way back then, where white women were that standard and everything of beauty, when at what point did it flip? Because now all of them want to look like you. No, so here's the thing: it didn't flip. So, so, so wait for the plot twist. Okay. Oh. Because black men were the top of the food chain for their coolness and and their representation of black culture being because we are the sauce. Let's be honest. Even my white friends agree that black people are the sauce, right? Because black men and their semen represented virility and the coolness of black culture. And white women represented the beauty standard of what's considered the most beautiful thing possible. When you have a white woman and her white womanhood having a baby with a black man, you get the best of both worlds. Uh, and that's why white women want to adopt blackness uh, having mixed babies with black men, but they don't want to actually be black women. Do you know why? Because guess who's at the very bottom of the- At the fucking bottom. Wait for it. Black women and Asian men. So the same way black men are seen as these stallions with big penises, Asian men are seen as these docile beings with small penises. The same way white women are seen as feminine and genteel and damsels, which is why they can cry after they attack you and you still go to jail. Black women are seen as masculine and brutish and aggressive and angry. And so because Asian women, I mean, Asian men and black women are at the bottom and black men and white women at the top, when you have a Kardashian situation, you're literally tapping into hundreds of years of stereotypes and dogma and rhetoric and propaganda. That's why the Kardashian thing is working so much because on a cellular level, we were taught this like generations ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. But so, it makes see, me we, sad. We up today, we ain't standing for that shit no more. It's 2021. Are we, have you seen Instagram, Jeff? Have oh. you logged on to the Instagrams? I know. It's so, oh, it's so bad. Even if I see, a, a I black see one man, more eyelash that do, does oh, like the this. eyelashes. Yeah, oh I have so God. many black male friends, though, who think they have the cheat code. They want to date a black girl who's as white as possible. But wait, right. say that one more thing. I know a lot of black men who want to date a black woman so they can have their street cred, but she has to look as white as possible. 
Oh, that's the new cheat code, by the way. Tell everybody your girlfriend's black, but from a distance, you would never know it. You would never know it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. We're going to unpack that in a whole other episode. Speaking of questionable things like interracial relationships steeped in questionable slavery antics, Kanye West. (laughs) Speaking of slavery, uh, the man who said that slavery is a choice is uh, apparently staging a comeback, Jeff. And I I hate to say it, but it took a lot for me to jump off the Kanye wagon. I was a fan up until he started talking about Harriet and them. And then I had to jump off, right? So now that he's back and him and Jay-Z appear to be back together, there's rumors that people are speculating Jay-Z and Beyonce went back into Kanye's life because Kim is finally gone. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think? Are you going to be listening to the new album? Because Donda, like we all loved his mom. So he's tugging on the heartstrings right now. I mean, I ain't listened to the last one, but- my you mean the gospel is, one? You didn't listen yeah, to the gospel, gospel album? I, I didn't. That for me, it was just like, you, you can't listen. You can play with a lot of things. You can't play with God. And I just yeah. felt like Kanye was just doing a lot of things where it was like, mm, I don't know. But so I'm trying to figure out because I didn't complete, like, I didn't write Kanye off the way I wrote off R. Kelly. Like, I don't right. play R. Kelly. Oh, well, I mean, R. Kelly actually did, yeah, something exactly. much worse than talking I, crazy. Exactly, because then also you have the part that plays in it where um, it has been said, you know, I don't know exactly how true it is because I haven't seen paperwork, where, you know, Kanye could be bipolar or have, you know, some sort of, you know, mental whatever Yeah, yeah I think on. he's confirmed it at this point that he's battling with it and that the meds make him feel... Off a lot of people exactly. who struggle so with that like, are off their meds because of that feeling it gives you. Right. So it's just like depending on the day and what's going on, it's like it's kind like what is going on in Kanye's mind. I mean, I didn't care about the album release. I didn't even know it was an album release until again it was all over the internet and everything. But uh am I excited about Donda? No. Ooh. If I'm somewhere, I'm be real. If I'm somewhere and they play a song, sure. I've been to a Kanye uh, concert. I actually went the last one that he did where he had the floating stage in the middle of the. Um, I actually went to that. I went to that like in like 2016, 2017, I think I went. Somewhere around there. Whenever that one came out, I went to his second show. It was in Toronto and I ran like randomly was up there. So I got tickets and went. It was a great show and everything. But yeah, ever since the whole Trump thing, the MAGA thing, the slavery thing, I yeah. have been very much like Kanye is just just background. Mm. Well, how ironic that you saw Kanye in Toronto, considering Drake is the king of Toronto, and apparently him and Kanye are like becoming this whole you know East Coast versus West. Like it's like this thing happening where it's like Kanye team Kanye versus team Drake. Yeah, I I I, I will tell you right now, Drake is my problematic king. Um, really? Yeah, I love Drake. I've been love Drake. Absolutely. Love I love Drake. Drake the minute he jumped out that wheelchair um, from Degrassi and decided to get into the booth. Like, I've been. You know, I was not even watching Degrassi. I mean, I know about it, know he's in the wheelchair, but musically, I've always been a Drake fan. Yeah. But I also think that I tend to date men who talk like Drake. Like, they have like big swag and they get home and they cry in my bosom. I think it's sexy. I like <laughs> me a, a little heart in the head as a part. Yeah. <laughs> I like me a strong back, tender hearted man. So I feel like Drake appeals to all my sensibilities. But what's interesting about Kanye is that, like, I wonder if there's any credence to people who've been writing think pieces lately about why are we forgiving Kanye but not forgiving Chrisette Michelle? I thought they did forgive Chrisette. Oh no, Chrisette hasn't Michelle in a while. Where have well, you seen her? Well, I'm gonna be listen. I'm gonna be very honest. Um, Chrisette kind of was even before the Trump inauguration thing. Chrisette's last album that I remember, uh, I think it was called "Let Freedom Ring," wasn't exactly that great. Ooh. The first two, 
Jeff uh, the, says you you weren't even subscribed to be canceled. Damn, I didn't, look, Blue, I did not even know why they had Chrisette singing at the damn thing because I was like, she ain't exactly top of the charts, but maybe. Oh, they were having problems booking people. They said the Trump administration couldn't find anybody to book from the black community. So mm -hmm. there, there it goes. Oh and man! Wait, still though, how who in that cabinet thought of Christmas? Who the fuck knows Christmas at Michelle in the Trump cabinet? I need to know who is listening to that kind of soul music where they say, you know what it be, <laughs> Chris at Michelle. Yeah, it was probably some random intern who was like, look, we can't get anybody else. And you know what the, the, the crazy thing about Chrisette Michelle is? She's a perfect example of what happens when everything seems to be, go, be going fine. And then suddenly life throws a brick at your head. Yeah. And that is actually the topic of today's show. You like that segue? You like that? From like Chrisette that. to I disappointment? Like I, I didn't like even think it. about that until just now. That wasn't pre-canned. <laughs> um, but no, like the whole topic of this show, when I, Jeff, when I talked talk to you about being on here, I wanted you to be, because the episode was going to be called The Power of the Pivot, right? I have often said that failure is my greatest teacher. I have failed a lot. I have fallen on my face a lot. Uh, what's that old saying? Fall eight times. How much do you want nine? me to drink, Blue? <laughs> right. I think, I think I might need something stronger than water Ooh, for this part. These failures. Mm. Lamar, we got some Casamigos. Can you give me some Casamigos? Get, come on. Um, um, just get a little cup and pour some in. I'll tell you when to stop. Yeah, we're going to get Casamigos for this part. Um, but yeah, no, like the power of the pivot, right? Because the pivot is what you do when life throws you just a bunch of bricks in your face and you basically have to go, oop, that's not going to work and pivot to someone else. And I want to give the audience a very quick uh, history lesson on me and Jeff, the Jeff, the history of Blue and Jeff, right? Wait, we uh, Jeff, <laughs> we're going to go there, Jeff. Yes, we're going there. I actually moved to LA with one week's notice and we're not going to name, name the show. Uh, for legal reasons, but I came to LA for, to visit and unexpectedly ended up being cast for a show um, that was slated to be like the black millennial version of The View. And I was going to be the whoopee and I was going to have a mixed bag of co-hosts with me who were going to help me. mixed. <laughs> yeah, it was, and we wanted men, women, they were all black though. Um, millennials basically talking about what it really means to us to be in this world when it comes to pop culture and politics and, and, and everything else. So we go through the whole um, process. I was the first one that they booked, right? And because I had a week to move, I literally threw a bunch of stuff in the duffel bag and caught a, a flight right back to LA. And I sat through every single audition and helped handpick every single person except for Jeff. So here comes the day that we're about to shoot. And it's supposed to be four hosts and two alternates. And I walk in and all I see is this big pearly white smile. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> who is this happy ass mother sucker that I don't, I don't remember choosing him. He's cute, but who is that? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> and within about 45 seconds, I was like, oh, we're going to be friends. Like, I kind of love him. And then we both found out that we were Tauruses. So we knew that we were going to be cuddly. Oh, Lamar's showing up with a big old glass and some Casamigos. Thank you, Lamar. All right. Because listen, okay. we don't know how long this is going to go. Stop right there. Yes, yes. I still have to host the show. Lamar, stop is, is, it, is it okay if I refill my beverage while you get grab Go yours? ahead, Jeff. Okay. Apparently, I see what kind of show this is. It's the kind of show. 
for those for y'all who know me from like my real jobs that like you know pay me and stuff. Imagine those jobs. Why does Lamar keep the bottle? The, Lamar, you want some Casamigos too, don't you? See, Lamar, oh, you're smirking. You got Casamigos. Lamar, you want some Casamigos too, don't you? He's looking at the Casamigos like he's scared. It's gonna start talking to him. Um, <laughs> I feel like my day jobs are like uh, are like the party, and this job is like the ride home after the party. It's not even the after party. It's the ride home. Proper cheers Salud. now, proper. Proper cheers. Salud. Salud. For those of you who can't see us, me and Jeff, we're, we're cheersing through the um, screen. By the way, this is a great concept for the Patreon. For those of you who haven't heard me already mention it, uh, patreon.com backslash bluecentric. Um, and the reason why we're doing things on Patreon is because there's some, some you know, grown talk I want to have for the after show that I want to save the Patreon for. But Jeff, let's take a sip. Oh, what are we toasting to? Jeff, stop sipping. What are we toasting to? So um, you know what? To pivoting. To pivoting. Because that's the topic we're on and we've both done it and we're going to pick back up where you left off, but to pivoting because Blue... I've listened. I've been to your house, and I have li- blue. Listen, not we to wept like, in each other's arms, it. Jeff. We're real friends. Labor Day, two thousand twenty. When you yeah, were in no, two thousand nineteen. No, no, no. It was twenty twenty. Oh, it was twenty twenty. Yeah, it was twenty twenty. When you read them tarot cards, and you know, oh yeah. Blue. I'm a tarot reader, guys. If you're new to me or the show, I'm a tarot reader, and the the tarot cards yanked. Um, off of uh, Jeff's wig and greased his scalp and then unbraided the braids underneath. And at that uh, point, Jeff was so devastated. At that point, I, I will I will not say blue tonight. You didn't even know the intricacies of everything, and the fact. Listen, cheers. My tarot cards are very accurate. Salut, love. I Salud. love you. Wait, is you, were you drinking Casamigo straight? Yes, there's no nothing else in the Casamigos. Oh, shit, see, I had Belvedere, but I mixed it with a little Ooh. bit of ginger beer. I made a little Moscow mule. Oh, I have a friend who calls Casamigos Offset's house. Get it? Casamigos Offset's house. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so clever. Oh, I'm already drunk, guys. That was a bad idea. <laughs> oh, wow. This is a different show already. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to have to get on the topic. So, yes, I walk in. I see Jeff. I'm like, who is this beautiful man that I did not sanction? End up being one of my favorite humans. Um, we literally were in pre-production for six weeks. The last show, Jeff, I don't know if you remember this, the last show that you and I taped as a cast all together involved Derek Jackson. I was just going to say, Blue, do you remember that we- Derek Jackson was Blue. one of our last guests on our show that never saw Blue. the light of day. <laughs> Blue. Let me tell you. So when that story broke, I know we trying to stay current with hot topics, but that was a moment. I was literally like, y'all, I was telling my friends, I had interviewed this nigga. And I remember when he came <laughs> on set, how all the girls, both the ladies in front of the camera, as well as the folks that were on the production uh, staff, was just fawning over this man. Everybody was, but me and our EP, Amy. Like, we were the right. only ones who were not fawning over him. We were like, what? Something's a little douchey about him. And, and even, the funny thing is, Amy said to him, she was like, Derek, your your sweater is a little bit, looks like it's been hanging on a hanger. You should tell your wife what... <laughs> to properly hang your clothes. So the irony of her saying, tell your wife to properly hang her clothes, his wife didn't have time. She was crying in the rain like a Jodeci the video. He's thing, out here cheating. Yes, the biggest thing I remember about that interview from when he was sitting on the couch with his wife and when he was sitting with us, both times he had on purple. Yep. I said, that's that nigga's color when he lying. Purple. Because he came on our show and lied to me, you, I believe it was Amber and Grant. Yeah. Um, he sat there and lied to us. And then he said on Instagram, clutching his wife's hand, yeah. lying to America. 
Yeah, Jeff. Uh, I'm happy that you had it because when that that story came out, I was like, we interviewed Derek Jackson, and That's I hated the crazy. fact that we, we interviewed a lot. There were so, so many big names, big celebrities. We were actually going to interview Lauren London, and this was three weeks before Nipsey died. Before we had Nipsey, so yeah. many interviews on the horizon for that show, and I literally packed my whole life from the East Coast to the West Coast just for that show. Jeff was about to quit his job. And you job. were going back and forth, like back and forth from here back to um, the DMV area every like week. Yeah, so like we, we've changed our whole lives just to have our big break on this show. I remember the cast, we would hang out every weekend because as like the head chair, they said, Blue, you're like the den mom. Make sure the cast hangs out together on the weekend so you guys can have chemistry. So when you're on the on set together, it can click, right? It was, so it was real. Yeah. It was real. Like we said, there's pictures of me, you and Amber, our first time hanging out, drunk and happy together. Like, ooh, we're going to be on a TV show together. And yes. then something happened. We're going to skip Ooh, over to the ugly part. The, the, the chair. The no, chair. Okay, for, for legal reasons, we can't <laughs> say much. But something happened with the chair, and the show was no more for production reasons, right? Um, and there's something so painful about doing everything right, doing everything yes. perfect within your power, exceeding expectation within your power, and then having something completely outside of your power take your yes. dream away. And just like that, our show, was the plug was pulled that's why they always say in hollywood listen you don't tell nobody you own anything until it airs because you you might get cast you might get a contract we had contracts mm -hmm. like you get contracts and everything but until that thing is aired it can be snatched so listen all i was living in a 400 square foot studio on melrose avenue paying four thousand dollars a month child did y'all hear that $4,000 a month for 400 square feet. Sheesh. Just because I wanted to move to LA and follow my dream. And mm -hmm. by the time my birthday came, the dream was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Our first day of production was March 1st. My birthday was April 24th. By the time my birthday came, just seven weeks later, the show was a wrap. Like, and Blue, I literally took off the entire month because they gave us the schedule of how much time they would need to film. I had just started a new job at that time. Mm -hmm. So I'm on in the probationary period. I went to my doctor because I believed in this show so much and everything that they, you know, fed us. And I got her to write me a note to give to this brand new ass job as to why I've only been here at this point, maybe two and a half. I don't know. I'm fresh out of training. However, I need 30 days off. Oh my God, that is bold. Because I was like, listen, as soon as this show goes, oh, I'm quitting. I don't care. Yeah. But, you know. I... I so this is the question, Jeff. We had a huge opportunity. There are people, mind you, you audition. I didn't even audition. I had one of those moments that myths are made of. I mm -hmm. was at lunch eating a salad and someone sat down next to me and I was having a conversation with them, not knowing they were a casting agent. Oh, and wow. by the time I finished the salad, I'd been cast on the show. So I oh, was wow. discovered. I didn't even apply for this, right? So for me to have, and for you to have this moment where our dreams are about to become true, everybody dreams of being discovered. And we're on this beautiful set. You guys, it was a full set. Like, you think the view set was good? That set we were, was beautiful. We were giving the view a run for their money as far as beauty of yeah, set, like, right? Set, we had areas on that set. The show that you ever seen, our set could have met it, like, toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Like, and each the, personality had an area that was designated so for them. And then it was gone. So the question is, Jeff, and be very candid, this is a, a safer space. All I don't right. believe in saying anything digital is a safe space because we don't know who's going to be watching this, but it's as safe as can be humanly expected. Oof. And so in this safer space, Jeff, um, how did you deal? Be clear, be honest, be human. How did you deal with that disappointment? 
So I'm not even going to lie. I was, that was probably one of the biggest um, career as far as like the entertainment business goes, like heartbreaks that I had, because at that point I had been in LA for, I think I was on year nine. Oh and my so God. I, yeah, I've been in LA. I moved there in 20, um, 2009 and had been there, you know, and I've done things. I've been on TV, you know, I got a whole IMDb page. Y'all can go check it out. But, you know, I've been on TV. I did some movies, independent stuff and all of that. Audition for stuff, it didn't work out. This one specifically because I also, I used to produce my own uh, web show on YouTube. It was on, I'm sorry. It was on, um, what was the one everybody used? Uh, Ustream. Yes. Oh, wow. Minute. You're taking it back. Yes. No, I'm telling y'all how old I am. So I was on Ustream. Like, I was doing a web show before the whole... Uh, movement came and now everybody's doing reviews and all of that stuff so I was doing that and so I always wanted to be on a talk show you know type situation so mm-hmm. fast forward um I don't know if I, I didn't even know about it a friend of mine he works in a PR he was like hey Jeffrey the can't say the name of it, but the blank is you know looking for you I think you would be great for it here's the contact I gave you gave your information and you're gonna go see her this day so I was just kind of like okay I'm gonna go got in there was talking me and the EP at the time, the thing I think that sold her, Game of Thrones. We started yes. talking. We the started whole cast talk- loved Game of Thrones. That was like a very random <laughs> thing. Didn't we even know it. Loved that I- show. So Game of Thrones connected us. So then I'm like, again, Blue, I told you, I had just started a new job. Yeah. I believed in this opportunity and this show. And then again, we all, we just fell in love with each other. And we even did. to this day, we all still keep in touch one way or another. And so I was like, this is going to work. This yeah. is going to be perfect. This is what I have been in LA. You know, you're when you, especially in entertainment, it, you never get a yes immediately. It takes time. But I was like, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So for us to go in, for us to film, for us to bond, for us to connect, and then to one day just get a call it's like, oh, we're actually not going to shoot today. It was like, okay. Then, hey guys, production is suspended for the week. And it's like a little weird, but okay. But mm-hmm. then to get that notice, so show's not happening, blue. I mm-hmm. was like, it, it was very heartbreaking, honestly. It was one of the hardest blow, one of the hardest no's that I had ever gotten professionally in uh, involving like entertainment and everything. What did but, it trigger in you? Say it again? What did it trigger in you? Because this is humanized, right? So honestly, the sadness. Core of it. Yeah. It, was, it was just complete sadness. It was complete sadness. That was the biggest, like, Jeffrey, this is what you want to do, and it's actually happening for you, and now it's gone. Yeah. You know what's so crazy, thinking about that time? Like, a friend of mine, I think it might have been Antonio, came into town shortly after we got the bad news, and mm-hmm. I think you and me and him and a couple other people were all together, and he was like, Blue, you tend to be stoic, I do. Like, I could be going through earth-shattering pain, and I would just be like a robot and act like nothing's happening until I get home and I can cry in the shower. And <laughs> he was like, I didn't realize- That's because you're a tourist. I do the same thing. This is some tourist shit. He's like, this I didn't realize how shit. bad or how devastating this blow was until I looked into Jeffrey's eyes. He was like, every time you mentioned the show and what it could have been, there's a sadness in his eyes that is, that, that's haunting. Like Blue, you yeah. have met, you met my friends when you came to my 33rd birthday. Mm-hmm. Great by party, way. by the way. Best birthday party so I've funny. ever been to in my life. Like blue, that's what I'm saying. Like I met you and immediately was like, cause everybody that I had do that whole cooking experiment. Those were people that were actual friends. Not like, oh, this is a little cool homie. Somebody I know they were friends and blue. I connected with you 
so much in that short time that we knew each other, I had to include you in it. So you've seen my friends, you see how my friends show up, support and show out. Mm -hmm. So when they knew, yeah, so they had been there the whole time I was doing my little janky production in my house with my web show and everything. So for them to see me actually get that opportunity, everybody just knew, it's like, Jeffrey, you have worked for this, you have worked for this. And then for me to have to be like, y'all, they canceled this show. Not even like we got, but Blue, the trip was, it wasn't even like we got canceled because we weren't popular, we weren't good, the ratings were bad. We didn't even get a chance to let America see us for what we could have done. And the crazy thing is the day that they, um, you know, that incident happened that made the the production stop, the EP had walked up to me and said, the head of the studio, you know who I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. saw the dailies, he thinks it's amazing, we're going to have a run right through the summer, the show's going to be big. Yes. So the fact that, that we had just got our green light. And you know how you're waiting for the other shoe to drop so you can find it like breathe easy? We had just been told yes. to breathe easy. And then it yes. was yank from us. You know what's crazy? Today, the, the day that we're, we're, we're shooting this episode is the Monday after Rolling Loud. It's also the Monday that Issa Rae announced that she got married. Um, I actually heard about this a couple of weeks ago because I just know a lot of people on the show and it was very hush-hush. And I love how Issa is very good about keeping her private business private. Yes. Fellow um, earth sign, she's a Capricorn. Um, but one of the things that was nuts was while we were waiting for the show to come off hiatus, which by the way, never happened, <laughs> me, Obi and Fania went to the little premiere party and we ended up standing right next to, um, to Issa Rae. So me and Obi are sitting next to Issa and he, you know, I think Obi at the time, him and Yvonne Orji knew each other because they had the whole Nigerian connection. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to Yvonne and Issa's next to me and I'm a little twisted because I'm like, I can't believe I moved out to LA and I'm my bank account. And I'm on a show that's not going to be shown. What the hell? Right. And I look at Issa tipsy. And to her credit, me and Obi just, she was like, so how's it going living in LA, guys? And out of nowhere, we told her everything. We're like, we're on the show. Issa, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Blue. Blue. <laughs> like, Blue. It was, that was, it was traumatic. It was trauma. Because I'm that was. at Issa's <laughs> premiere party crying to her. And I'm like, oh man, I'm the awkward black girl. This is horrible. And Issa yeah. blinked three times to her credit. She was like, okay, fuck them, build your own shit. Yes. And I said, excuse me? She said, look at me. I built my own shit. Fuck them, build your own shit. Yes. And that was the word according to Issa Rae. And so it's just interesting that like now we're in this space where we've had to, to her credit, build our own shit, right? Build like Jeff, your, your catering, your, your culinary gifts, the food that Jeff cooked at a dinner party that I had for 11-11. Every 11-11 I throw a party. Um, Cause you know I'm a bit of a witch, and so I like to have all my friends <laughs> come together, witch. and I like to manifest with my friends on 1111. I had Jeff come into town from Miami, and he cooked for us. And at one point, our friend Norman Towns, who will be on the show at some point, stood up and started slow clapping for Jeff. <laughs> First, he moaned and said, "Bruh, you know, no homo, but this is amazing." Literally. Then he stood up and literally started slow clapping. Jeffrey, you can literally taste the love in your food. And so it's in a weird way, I know you had that disappointment, but I feel like it kind of pushed you more towards the foodie thing. Cause I don't think you probably would have had the opportunity to lean into that had the show worked out. I wouldn't have, because the thing is, honestly, I've been, I've always, you know, love food. I say I've always loved food because I've always been greedy. As a kid, I'm, <laughs> listen, it's leftovers, not no more. Cause I'm here. Yep. But I've always cooked, but never thought like holidays, especially being in LA, you know, you have your friends givings and this and that. So I've always, you know, brought stuff, but I never thought of it as anything to do professionally. Cause I've always, once I left grad school, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm never stepping back into a classroom. 
not even for culinary purposes. For, I'm just, I'm never, school is not for me. It's just not. I got my bachelor's, but then I, no, nothing else. Um, so I never thought of it as a profession. And then, you know, of course, after that situation happened with the show, it's like, you just have to keep going. And I started uh, creating my own things. I started producing my food and fitness events, Muscle Mimosas. And yes. originally, yes, with that, I initially had um, other caterers and other people catering. Well, this one event, my caterer fell through. And I was like, I got 30 something people coming. Somebody has to provide, they paid to have food. And so I was just like, okay, well, I'm about to make brunch. So I was- Wait, uh, was that the rooftop one that I came to? Cause you cooked for that one. It was I cooked for that. So by that one, that one was December. So that's that one, August, September, October. That was like LA, number four. The weather's always warm. I don't know. Exactly. That was, I think, number four. So by that time, I had catered probably uh, two or so of them. But the first time I did it, I catered. I didn't tell anybody I catered. I just wrapped the food up, made it look nice and all the stuff and, you know, served it. And people were saying, who made this food? Honestly, I thought they were saying, who made, you know how people say, who made the potato salad? Right. I thought it was- Dave. I thought it was who made this food because I want my money back. I'm going to throw up. Even though, again, <laughs> again, I have cooked for friends so many times, but I never thought about it. So I was really scared to tell people I cooked it. And then uh, finally, I was just like, yeah, I cooked it. And everybody started saying how good it was and how good it was. And so I was like, okay, well, let me let me try to do something else. So I did another event. And then somebody asked me to cater um a birthday for them. And then from that, they referred me and I was catering an executives from um, from Walmart, an executive from Walmart. They were doing a midnight brunch in LA during, I forget which award show it was, but they wanted me to cater their midnight brunch. And oh, that's sexy. Are, I like that. Yeah. And these are like professional people and they loved the food. And so then I just like kept going, kept going, kept going. And then when quarantine happened, I had time to do nothing but cook. And I think that the night that you cooked for me, you said that you had cooked for somebody else the night before. I yeah, was like, when I came to LA, I did, yep. I was like, yeah, I thought you came here for me. You were like, yeah, I got other gigs, honey. Like, <laughs> I'm in demand. I was like, okay. It's that's, a, that's the beauty of the pivot though, right? Like you had this moment where it was a soul crushing disappointment for all of us. So and bad. then you pivoted into something that you had kind of loved anyways. You know what's so crazy? When I think about the power of the pivot, I also think about this show because after our show, mm. Which, by the way, I'm thinking at some point in Human Ice, I'm going to have all the, the cast Everybody. Come back for a reunion. You have a little reunion. A little reunion special. People are going to be like, we don't know any of y'all. What are you I was going to say, people are going to be like, we don't know who y'all are. For what? The show never happened. Okay. It's, but, no, it's one like, of those things where it's going to be more to us than it will to the... To the yeah, they're gonna, we're going to be crying like we're like the cast of Friends. They're like, we right. don't know any of you people. What are right. you doing a reunion for? Who the fuck are y'all? When that happened, though, I kind of was like, okay, well, I still have my day job. I'm just going to focus on that. And I was like, Obi was like, no, Blue, you have to have a show. So in August of that year, 2019, I was like, I'm going to do Humanized. And right before I was about to start this show, I get cast on I'm Here for the Food, Melissa Ford. Mm -hmm. Right before that. So I had a choice. Either I, I, I turn her down or I take the opportunity and put Humanized in the back burner. So I was like, you know what? I didn't apply for this opportunity. Even though she likes to tell the stories, if she found me on Craigslist, she didn't. Um, she was at the celebrity story? child. There's so many stories. I don't think she can keep them straight. But like the real story was I was at, yeah, this is my show, y'all, where I get to finally tell the truth of my terms. I was at Ikea minding my business when Angie, the creator of The Shade Room, who's my friend already, so you didn't find me on Craigslist, um, called me and said, hey, Blue, I, I was at Jason Lee's birthday party 
and Melissa Ford was there and she was crying about how she wanted to do a show but she couldn't find the right female co-host and I immediately thought of you do you want to go and see if it's a good fit and I said Angie I'm at Ikea that's how much I was impressed y'all I was like I'm looking at these pillows I want Mm. some candles she was like no no it's tomorrow you can go tomorrow I was like all right fine whatever I walk in I sit down I think we're chit-chatting within three minutes Melissa's like the show is yours you're amazing I want you to do the show with me I was like oh okay I thought we were gonna have an audition she's like that was the audition you're amazing if Angie recommended you I think you're perfect for the show I did Melissa's show for about eight months I left Melissa's show and wasn't given the opportunity to properly say goodbye to the guests I mean to the the fans and the and the people who've been watching the show so that broke my heart and again I had to pivot and I was like you know what I had my own show humanized that I put on hold to help somebody else with their dream, I'm gonna pivot back to my shit. So I start Humanize, Humanize is going great. And literally the last guest that I had before COVID hit was Jason Lee. Mm-hmm. He was my last guest on the last day. We, we taped on March 7th, the World Health Organization announced the pandemic on March 11th. And I was like, oh my God, okay. I was like, well, I was doing this amazing YouTube show. I had this videographer, I had these graphics. Now we're in a pandemic. Let's just wait two weeks. You know, it was no no damn weeks. It was not no damn two weeks. But here's the beauty, though, of pivoting and being supple when life disappoints you. When Melissa quit Hollywood Unlocked, Jason Lee remembered that episode. He Mm. remembered how much fun he had on Human Eyes. He came in for a 45-minute chat and spent four hours on my couch. I remember you telling me about that. Yes. It was such a good... And I fell in love with his heart, and I think... And I want to give Jason his flowers. I think people see Jason being a provocateur, which is his job, and they don't realize there's a real man behind the scenes who has a heart. And if I hadn't seen Jason's heart that day, I would have never agreed to do Hollywood Unlocked, right? So when he called me, he was like, so you quit Melissa's show? I was like, yeah, I had to leave. And he was like, well, she just quit my show. You want her job? I was like, oh, okay. And suddenly I go, and I was like, but Jason, I'm telling you, I'm only joining the show because I like you as a person. Because I know in LA, everybody does stuff for a look or a come up. I said, Jason, I need you to know, I'm not saying yes for a come up. I'm saying yes because of you. I actually enjoyed Mm -hmm. the four hours that I spent talking to you. And so that's my motivation for this. Also, here's everything that went wrong with Melissa. I'm going to tell you up front so that you don't treat me the same way. And to his credit, Jason is probably the most sound businessman that I have ever worked in the entirety of my career. There's not one promise Um, that he's made to me that he hasn't kept. There's not one contract that hasn't been honored. There's not one paycheck that didn't come through when it was supposed to. It didn't come through. Which is why it's dangerous to judge people on the optics because there were so many nice people who I beloved, who made me lots of promises that never happened. And here's Jason Lee being the first person in LA to ever keep his word to me. Yeah. And that's the power of the pivot, yeah. I've listened to all the stories since, you know, you know, again, I, and it's... (laughs) I met Melissa when you first started doing uh, I'm Here for the Food and Everything. And I met her at the birth- her birthday party. To me, it was just very strange. But you remember that dinner. Um, well, we're going to keep it clean until in the first episode, but yes. Okay. It, it, All right. Well, you remember, you remember that dinner. It was, it was, it was, yes. It was very strange. Hollywood is um, full of strange things, yes. <laughs> but the things that were going on with you guys behind the scenes, it was just kind of like, I don't, I just... Uh, blue are you supposed to be smarter than the host (laughs) or is the host supposed to be it was just a lot going on but i wish everybody well i to this day don't have anything 
factually inaccurate to say about her or anybody else. I wish her but well. You know, at the same at the same time though, it's part of your story. There were definitely some good moments that were you know involved in there. It was it was some really good moments that you guys shared and had. Right. Um, and it just led you to where you are now. With me it also taught me a valuable lesson about what happens when people lie, because people know the 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 power of your character, right? Like when you pivoted. Yes. You were cooking, but Jeff, there's a lot of people who can cook. People knew your heart. They're like, we like Jeff. We know he's a hard worker and his his food tastes like sex. <laughs> so because we love him and he could also be a great cook and a great chef and a, and a great just host in general, we're rooting for him. We want to pour into him. You know what I mean? And so one thing I've learned about this industry is when you keep your hands clean and you are about your business and you're actually talented and can back things up, people will root for you when you do pivot. Right. Yeah. Somebody can slander. I literally somebody can slander your name and subtweet you all over the gram for months on end. And you can still be on a highly popping show because they're still showing up for you because people like you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it taught me, you know, how Michelle Obama said when they say when they go low, go, go. When they go low, we go high. We go high. And Jason likes to say, like, funky Deneva, when they go high, low, we go to hell. I like to say when they sometimes go low. Sometimes that's real though, Blue. Sometimes you got to get down say that. I personally <laughs> say when they go low, I don't care. I'm not even in the room to see it. Yeah. I don't that's, even care. Again, that's that Taurus energy. Like It is. Learned, one thing I've learned about myself is I have a hard time being fake. I don't know how to be fake. And especially mm -hmm. with, with people because I'm a people person. One thing, I love people. I love meeting people. I love just hearing people's stories and experiences. So I, at this point in my life, I just don't pretend to be around people I don't want to be around yeah and also too I'm compulsively honest and there are so many people who are only doing well because I haven't been honest and so mm -hmm. considering the truth could destroy you you should be happy that I don't want to talk about stuff oh absolutely Listen, my hands are clean I have nothing to lose it goes back to again I think for me I always try to show the best side of Jeffrey to people to make sure that yeah. regardless of regardless of you know you and whoever it is uh followed or whatever you know who I am yeah. And so for me, I don't have to trash talk you, tear you down, say negative things about you. Send subliminal messages for three months straight because you have Sub no hobby. messages, sometimes directly just calling you out. But, you know, I'm not going to go into that story. Um, I'm just like, you know what? I base my experience off of my, you know, encounters with you and hopefully you do the same with me. And that's the thing I love about you, Jeffries, because you're one of the few friends who is close enough to me who's seen how many jabs I've taken and how deeply unbothered I've been about wanting to like say my side i don't care yeah like let the work speak for itself and, and i, I and i wanted this know episode. Your heart. people know who you are and here's the thing too right i'm gonna have a cheat meal one day there's gonna okay. be a day when someone's gonna catch me on the wrong day because i think the fact that i'm a black buddhist and i'd be sp spitting all this you know nami your whole renge kill stuff <laughs> as my, my my scorpio friend we know how scorpios are shout out to y'all my whole family scorpio y'all some amazing spiteful people amazing but spiteful my Scorpio friend once told me, Blue, people get over on you because they know you will always outnoble them. You're so noble. They know that they can do something dirty and you're not going to get dirty with them. And I said, yeah, but one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a cheat meal. I've had it happen because, okay, you can help me out. Which one, um, is it the sun or the moon that rules your emotions? I mean, all of them rule different parts. Let's have a quick astrology lesson, by the way, human eyes. Because it's a, it's a magic space. Your your rising sign is how you show up in the room. Your moon sign is how you think to yourself late at night okay. and you have your internal dialogue. I'm finna give you mine because one of mine was... Uh, oh, yeah, let's do a quick reading. I, I love doing all things astrology. You know, I you know I was blue. You are the only person actually that I have ever let like read my cards. You're the only person that I ever like all of that stuff. So 
you have to break that. it down to me. My ascendant, whatever that means, is mm-hmm. in Gemini. My Mine son- too! See, see. Look at my- that! Wait, we're both Tauruses with Gemini rising? But isn't that, that's how you present yourself to the world, right? Yeah, so basically that's why I like you. I like me. There you go. <laughs> so but then <laughs> my son is in Taurus, which yes, is what like I mine. Am. Mm-hmm. So that determines what the identity and the role. So but, imagine Taurus is the house. Your sun sign is the house. Okay. And your different other signs are different rooms in the house. Okay. So so so, so, so your, your, your rising sign is how you entertain. It's like the living room. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The one that disturbed me the most, though, was uh-huh. my moon. My moon yeah. is in Aries. Oh, okay. So, honey, let's talk about it. Get, let's get quiet for a second. So, my yeah. experience... Pause for a second. Pause for a second. Your moon is in Aries. You gave me some news that I don't think you fully understand what you just said. What is your Mars sign, love? What's your Mars? I want to uh, see, see how volatile this is about to get. Mar- my Mars is in Capricorn. I don't know a lot Ooh, about Capricorn. Okay, pause. No, yes. Okay. So if your moon is in Aries and your Mars is in Capricorn, that means when you get mad, you get cold, you get plot, and you start to plot, and then you start slashing tires. I've had, so you, I, for me, but see, Capricorn you know is how you get angry, but Aries is how you pop off. You are like the Beyonce video with the baseball bat. That blue. Ooh, child, I have had it scary. where, I have had it where I am like, I ain't got to say shit. I ain't got to say nope. nothing. And I've also had it where, I have exploded. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's I'm like, Ooh. and when you explode though, and you get it out and it's cathartic, you're like, all right, we can go back to normal now. They're like, no, Jeff, you just blew up his car. I mean, but he deserved it. <laughs> and rightfully so. <laughs> oh man, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Oh man, that's, you're so sweet when you're not mad. Well, I've never I, you but off, that's the so. thing, Blue, the, what it takes for me to get mad. It, it takes astronomical amount of, pressure for me to actually pop off like i have sat through so much shit where i'm just like because yeah. i'm not gonna argue one thing about me is i just always say i'm never gonna embarrass myself in public if you i can it. help it mm-hmm. so those i can count back i think there have been three times where i have embarrassed myself in public i didn't like it yeah and it literally took me to get to a that point where it happened pull up your, your chart real quick what's your venus because your venus is actually how you date my Venus is in Gemini. Me too. Okay, Jeff. What the hell? Okay, so Jeffrey, this whole time I thought I loved you. I just loved me. I'm so sorry. Like, Jeff, we have the... We are, okay. I'm basically you after therapy. Are me, me and you singing uh, Usher R. Kelly, same girl. <laughs> We're like the two Spider-Men pointing at each other. All right, That's so I, I can tell you this. If your Venus sign, which is your love sign, is in Gemini... That means no matter how nice someone is, if they are not stimulating and fun and adventurous, you will leave them romantically. People whose love sign, yeah, fix your face, Jeffrey. There's a couple people who are going to be watching this who are going to be nodding in agreement. If you are someone with a Venus in Gemini, anybody listening to this who's doing their chart after listening to this, if your Venus is in Gemini, no matter how nice the person is, if they do not want to have fun with you, you will leave them. Gemini likes to love through stimuli, which means I can be faithful if you like to keep up with me, but if you don't, you will get left. So for those of you who hate Gemini's, you just couldn't keep up and it's okay. Right. So, um, but if the Gemini's yeah. Venus is in another like, no, sign, no, you're Venus, you're, say that again, your Venus is in Gemini. No, 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 my Venus, but I'm saying like, let's say someone who is a Gemini, like their mm-hmm. sign is a Gemini, but their Venus is, you know, something else. Uh-huh. How will that affect how they date? 
It means that just in general, people might get left. And that's also her. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't even gotta be fucking. Just Baby. in general. If that midnight train is gone to Georgia. Right. If this conversation gets boring, I'm a Twitter. I'm gonna just tweet off to somebody else and be like, "Hey, Twitter off." Like Gemini energy. <laughs> and the funny thing is, right? Virgos are are supposed to be the know-it-alls. Gemini uh-huh. is actually the most intellectual sign in the zodiac. That's really? why they're so hated because it's two smart little kids running around the room creating mischief. And see, sadly, a lot of not everyone because I don't believe in blanket blanket statements, but. Gemini's that I have met have just honestly opportunistic, uh, not the most trustworthy. The funny thing is the sign that's actually the best at being opportunistic is Capricorn. They just hide it better because they're old energy. So here's the thing about signs, guys. There are people who are obvious and people who are good at it, right? Okay. So perfect example. Yes. yes. Virgos are obvious know-it-alls. Gemini's actually peep shit stuff earlier, but they're just too busy flitting around to show it off. My sister. Also, exactly. Also, Capricorns are the, the most opportunistic sign, but because they're an older energy sign, because the signs have ages. Uh-huh. Really? Did you hear that? Somebody just honked. Oh, no. I can't, I can't hear it. We good. I can't okay. hear it. Okay. But because Gemini has young energy, they're obvious. Capricorn is opportunistic, but they're better at hiding it. So whenever I have a Capricorn friend, I already know they're going to be worried about work, their branding, their power, their clout, how they look in public. Don't you embarrass me. Remind people, me what month is Capricorn? The very end of the month of the year and the very beginning of the year. So we always okay. end and begin with Capricorn, right? And every sign rules an age, Gemini is 7 to 14. Think about what you were like from 7 to 14. You want to, no, not 7 to 14. They are 14 to 21. You wanted to fuck. You wanted to figure out who you were. You wanted to have adventure. So Gemini's are stuck at that age of around like 18, 19 years old, where life is just a fun freshman year party for them. Mm-hmm. Capricorn is ruled by like the age of like 67. <laughs> they they want to know. I have a 25-year-old Capricorn friend who was talking about her assets the other day. I said, your frontal lobe hasn't even congealed yet. Oh Why are God. you worried about this? Like your brain is, is still mushy. So oh Capricorns are like Benjamin Button. They're born old, and as they get older and start checking things off, they start to calm down. And then they want to have fun a little later on. All my 35-year-old and up-cap friends are wild. They're making up a loss. I'm like, why didn't you tell me twerking was this fun? But a Capricorn, like 24, child, where's my checkbook? I got to balance it. That was so not me. This Taurus energy at 24, that was not me at all. Honey, you're a Taurus with double Gemini energy. You were literally me. We could have done some damage, my love. See, that's why we were not supposed to meet until we did meet, Blue. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm pregnant by somebody and you would have been the... <laughs> Listen, you would have been, the- been like, all right, well, we gonna figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I was wild in my 20s. I want you to come back, Jeff, when we do a show about our whole phases. Um, Wait, I'm so speaking it's about- supposed to be like past tense? <laughs> I was about to say, see, Jeff, get out of my mind. I was about to say some of us is past tense, some of it is pending. Um, but that's going to be a whole other episode. I love how this conversation went down because I want folks to know that sometimes, not sometimes, let me not be like that. All the time when you have a disappointment, that's just the universe creating space for something better. I always say whenever I lose a blessing dramatically, Uh that is proof that I was taking too long to get out of my own way or somebody else was taking too long to get out of my way and God stepped in and pushed them out my way. So dramatic endings to me are always this, like, I get very calm when, when I dramatically lose a friendship or dramatically lose a job. Cause I'm like, whatever is waiting for me wants me so bad. It pushes you out the way like bone crusher. Okay. So tell me, I, I hate dramatic endings because the biggest thing with I me being 
again, I take it back to being in LA. I came to LA in 2009. I didn't know a soul, no family in LA, no friend, no pre-existing friends, nothing at all. So the friendships that I built over this time are extremely important to me. So right. I hate, I hate losing a friend. So if I fall out with somebody in a dramatic way, it to me, it just crushes me because I don't lose friends. So it's like, but how do you end it though, Jeff? Because when I lose a friend, I literally send them a letter saying, I love you. I've thought about this and I recognize that we can't move forward. And I just want you to be clear about why I'm ending our friendship so that you never have to wonder. Um, so you I, know said, I actually said, I sent one of those emails like two months ago. I literally send emails of clarity to all my friends when we break up. I will say outside of one person, um, I generally try to give that person time because I think a lot of times you need time, space, sort of reevaluate mm-hmm. what happened, you know, your side, their side. And then it, at a certain point, I will reach out. Like mm-hmm. I had one of my oldest friends from uh, college, uh, when they moved out to LA, we kind of fell out and we actually didn't speak for about a two year period. And then finally, I was just like, this has been enough. And I, you know, I took the first, I'm never like, oh, I'm tired of being a bigger person or anything, but I just like reached out. Um, am I delayed, Blue? I feel like I'm- No, I'm you're not cool. delayed, love. Okay. Um, and then I just reach out. Like I'm the one, like eventually I will reach out. There's literally only, I only have one. I won't. Anybody's waiting on me, don't, don't do that. I won't reach out. Really? Yeah, no, no, there's only one person I'll never reach out to, but- I have literally just been like, you know what? I'll give it time, see what happens. And if two, like, if this time passes and I'm still thinking about you, then you know what? It's at least worth the conversation. Now, if we're going to continue to be friends, we'll see. But it's at but least here's the thing, though, Jeff. Like, you're a normal person who's going through life normally. I am an emotional intelligence coach. <laughs> so it's almost like having a therapist break up with you, right? Like, by the time that I'm sending you a form letter about disengaging with you to per- safeguard my emotional health, that's not a light disengagement. You see what I'm saying? So it takes so much for me to even disengage. By the time I've disengaged with you, I have nothing left to say to this version of you. So, so you now, literally have to come back to me as somebody else for me to even have new conversation. You can't even come back to me as somebody else. Again, I have oh. one I have one person where I am at that that I've never blue. I've never been at that in my life where you just described. I only and, end friendships when it's that bad. Otherwise I fight for it. Yes. And that is where I am specifically in this one uh, former friend. Right. And I was like, there's nothing. But then also you, uh, you ever look at the uh, red table talk? Of course. Like uh, this show is supposed to be the teal couch. Although right. I, so there was couch the teal couch. <laughs> um, and so, and yes, that is blues real living room behind her. Um, and so I was literally watching the episode dealing with uh, narcissists and she had the doctor on there. I can't remember. Yes, that was a great episode, by the way. A great episode. The former friend is a narcissist. And the one thing that that doctor said, everything that she said in the interview, the one thing she said is that a narcissist cannot change. Yep. They have to literally think think about every word that comes out of their mouth because they are always reverting back to what they know. And I am just like, damn. So this one time, but not everybody you break up with is a narcissist. And I think what makes me oh, this time this was a narcissist. (laughs) Yeah, no, yours probably was. A lot of folks have gotten into this good vibes only bullshit, and this is one of the things I hate. Good vibes only is such a low vibrational mantra because (laughs) bad vibes, uncomfortable vibes, icky vibes have something to teach you as well. So there are some folks who are so intolerant to adversity that anybody who annoys them is called toxic narcissist. Yeah, not everybody who pisses you off is a narcissist, right? So. That term has been so oversaturated and so overused. Yes, a narcissist can't change, but your homegirl who got on your nerves for three weeks straight 
Yeah, that ain't, no, a narcissist. that ain't a narcissist. No, it's that annoying, ain't a narcissist. right? So yes, for a real narcissist, they can't change. But there's regular people who are just annoying as hell. Yeah, that, that's true. No, I'm talking about a legit, like actual. Ooh. I've tried to call. I've tried to call it something else, but no, it actually it just is what it's it like is. Like textbook. Like damn, you look at the narcissist, and there was his face. Baby, no, not even his. Like there was his embryo. Oh, <laughs> like snap. he was going. Oh, you snap. like it was just de- destined for you to be that. But you know, you came back a- in this life as a narcissist to teach us all a lesson. Wow. Oh, How, are you? Here's my thing, right? And this is gonna sound so. And I used to worry about myself when I've done everything I could and sincerely fought for love in any form, whether it's romantic or platonic or familial, like mm-hmm. when I've given everything I've had and it hasn't worked and it goes away, I have zero regret. Like, I know that people who say, oh, I miss them or I regret how it went down. If the best of me couldn't keep it, I don't think it belongs to me, so I can't miss it. Is that like, right. like a lot of people think that's cold, but there's a piece that comes from me when I know I've done everything in my power and you just weren't meant to be kindred right now. Yeah, I don't regret at all because yeah. a lot of times, especially with that, it had to happen the way it did for me to move on. You know, mm-hmm. be it a friendship, be it a relationship, be it whatever it was, things had to happen the way that they did for me to keep going to go where I am today. Like, otherwise I would still be looking back at those friends or at those relationships. And so unfortunately, even though, yeah, shitty, you know, I look at everything as a learning lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think also we're earth signs though. I feel like if we had a, a, a Libra, cause they're indecisive as hell and take everybody back or a Gemini or somebody else up here, they'd be like, no, well, you know, sometimes people change after a weekend. <laughs> like, so as far as the child is concerned, I think two earth signs talking about now nah, you can stay gone. It's completely, we're being textbook right now, Jeffrey. I would love to have some of my Libra friends roll up in here. And then probably- my closest friends is a Libra. Yeah, and, and they're a little indecisive. I mean, they finally get mad, but it takes forever. The only sign that I think that's not an earth sign that scares me with their lack of forgiveness is the good old Scorpios. Lamar, I heard you coughing. Lamar's a Scorpio and so is my mama. Uh-oh. And I say it again, Lamar. No, let me tell you, my whole family Scorpios, you're dead to them. Like me and Jeff are talking about, I'm going to send you off with love. I hope you get a therapist. Scorpions are like, die ho. Like, I don't know what the hell that's about. <laughs> I think it might, it might vary depending on where those other like house signs are, like where they are. It varies because an unevolved Scorpio will watch you burn and not even pee on you to let you know kill what, the flames. This is the thing. Whenever I hear Scorpio, the first person that comes to mind is my friend, James Bland. I don't know if you know, you've met, you've definitely met James. I feel like I've named, met James, super, yeah. My super tall friend. Everybody yes, always, I have met him, yeah. Everybody else want to wear James. When I tell you that this is one of God's angels on this Oh, earth, no, he's one of them freaking Scorpios that got a bunch of cancer and stuff in his chart. That's not, don't do anomaly. No, like Blue. Show me I his chart. You. Send me James's chart after I will find show. out his chart. I will if, find listen, a bunch of Blue, daffodils and Pisces I'm telling you, listen, I know, and other shit in there. Uh-uh, I know you are connected and you can read the mm-hmm. cards. You know it all. Send me his chart, honey. Send me his James chart. James is one of my friends that I will fight to the death for. He is one of those friends I will literally fight and defend to the death for because he really is that good of a human being. That's beautiful. That's not yes. Scorpio energy, but it's beautiful. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me tell you. I love Scorpios because my, again, my entire family, y'all, like I have a little PTSD. When they love you, there's nobody on the face of the fucking planet who will have your back more. My mother, I literally don't tell her when I stop being friends with someone because I don't want her to go to their house and shoot them. Like Scorpios are deeply loyal. I once lost my cell phone. And she was like, it's okay, shoo-shoo, it's okay, Shaggy, it's okay, we'll get you another phone. 
her boyfriend walked in on her doing death threats. He was like, what you doing? I'm calling the asshole who stole my baby's phone. Like she was literally calling my old cell phone number and doing Wait, death your threats every day. The, Is your mama at the beginning, middle or end of the Scorpio? Uh, she has the same birthday as Hillary Rodham Clinton. I don't know Hillary's birthday. <laughs> Girl, that's a white woman. No, but I'm just telling you the gangster. You know how gangster Hillary is. Hillary is gangsters. Child. Hillary almost became president if it wasn't for the you know Trump and the Russians. Anyways, my mother's birthday is at the October twenty sixth. Um, what'd you say? October twenty-sixth. Yes. Ooh. So she is in there. Like she's a like she's not a, she's not on the cusp. She's not yeah. fading out. She's a Scorpio, right. Scorpio, Scorpio. And see, my, yeah, James' birthday is November. Them. His birthday is November fifteenth. He on his way out. He about to be a Sag, you know, setting things on fire and going to parties. He's not thinking about that. That's different. No. Let me tell you something. Okay, I'm telling you, the, if you mid-November Scorpio, please do not get into the business of late October Scorpios. That's a different kind of energy. It's a very different <laughs> kind of energy. <laughs> Signs fade in and they fade out. I do want to see his chart. The next time you come back, bring me his chart. Lamar, remind me that when Jeff comes back. I will. I'm going to find out his chart. I'm going to call him after this. I tell, I, I'm going to prove my, my point that there's something tender in there that's not Scorpio. He is the best Scorpio I've ever met in my life. Well, I can't say that because I love my family. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> they're the best Scorpios by default. I guess, love you, mama. You never see this, but whatever. Um, but no, every sign can be evolved and unevolved. So for anybody who's getting booty hurt, because I know some of the signs are, are very sensitive, <clears throat> cancer, um, I need Ooh. you to know that Ooh, like- Oh, blue, blue. I have so many cancer Don't friends. do no this, cancer slander because week... they'll blow up my phone and start crying blue, and get mad. Listen, that I don't, you know, don't do no, that. No, this is the thing. Cancers are so sensitive, but, but I- they're amazing people. They are amazing. I have So this why are they week. mad that we're noticing that they're sensitive? They're still amazing. I have this one week where literally every single day is a friend of mine's birthday. So I'm literally back-to-back posting happy birthday. And then my brother is also a kid. My younger brother, he's a cancer. I love cancers. But when they- get emotional about being called emotional the irony oh yeah it's just too much for me like you're literally it's doing more the so thing. <laughs> more so the candor guys that get but the girls I, like they'll be called emotional they don't fight back as much but the guys oh you call them emotional cancer there's nothing wrong with emotions we love you anyways okay they call tourists stubborn sexaholics who like to eat and it's true and so what you have not said one lie yeah me and jeff <laughs> about, me about and jeff, we like food and fucking Listen. and hugs and pillows and naps and we're okay exactly. with that. who don't need a nap like every day at 2 p.m like, like this is supposed to be a drag right y'all stubborn yeah i step what the fuck i'm in like oh this yeah. is a drag like i have how are you to be my sign and not fight it how are you with change, Blue? Like sudden change? Well, here's the thing. This, the Taurus in me will weep, but the Gemini, Gemini in me were like, wee, who, who else there? So it's like weird being a Taurus with the Gemini rising and my Venus in Gemini because I have two reactions separately. There's a part of me that is freaking out and having an anxiety attack, but there's also a part of me that's excited about what comes next. See, I don't freak And I'm out leaning towards the excitement more instead of leaning in towards the fear. I don't freak out and have anxiety. I just don't like it. I hate sudden change. You got to That's the tourist in you, yeah. If you told me we're going to, I don't know, the park and we're going this route, when we walk out the door, do not all of a sudden say, actually, we're going to go this way. No. Jeff, we're that's going. so rigid. You're such a tour. Okay. this. But if you ease me into it, like if you call me a day ahead, like, you know what? I'm thinking we might a try A day ahead? What route. if life just throws you a curveball, Jeff? Pivot. Not, no, not when you have plans. <laughs> pivot, Jeff. The show is called The Power of the Pivot. I, I will tell you one thing I, that I told Antonio a long time ago. 
Anxiety and excitement are actually the same raw material channeled differently. So Maybe whenever whenever I'm saying I'm anxious, I just say I'm excited. And then my brain actually starts to feel excited. And the okay. first time I told Antonio this, he called me. He was like, my God, Blue, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, he looked crazy. But then we started laughing. He's like, actually, I am excited. See, so it's, it's, a, it's a life hack, guys. Whenever you feel anxious, just say you're excited because you're actually telling the truth. I'm going to try that because whenever I say I'm anxious, I just take an edible and that helps. <laughs> you know what, what inspired me to come up with that? Jesse Spano from Saved by the I'm Bell. So I'm excited. so excited. That is classic. I'm so scared. That but is yeah, so funny, yes. She was excited. She actually mm-hmm. was, right? Because it was About a test, pills. though. That was about a test, about the SATs. And it's supposed to be a drug episode, but she was doped up on caffeine pills. Caffeine I ain't never had no Pepsi pill. that made me do all that. Caffeine pills, Blue. Caffeine Okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to very inconspicuously refill my beverage. <laughs> I'm just gonna blatantly take a sip of Offset's house. Oh. Look, see you sipping, but I gotta make a whole nother one because I drank. Oh my oh, god, this is so strong, Lamar. The next time I ask for a drink, put something else in it. The next time she asks for a drink, do the same thing. Um, for those of you who are watching, <laughs> the he said it's costing me because you don't miss it. See, Scorpio's be trying to kill you in the cut. But you see, Blue, you over there with the flex. You got somebody making drinks for you. I'm over here digging down, making it myself. <laughs> Now, Jeff, this is the part of the show where we have to pivot to the after show. So for those of you who are listening on Apple and the other platforms, I'm going to just read this off and send you off. And while everybody else who's listening on Patreon or well, watching on Patreon is going to see me and Jeff have some really fun, uh, dirty talk and also play some of our favorite music. Um, one of the things that I want to have on the show is during the after show, the guests and I talk about what's on our playlist and, and why we love the music we're listening to. Also, because I'm not sure how copyright works. Lamar, look that up. Well, Apple, let me play music. <laughs> because I'm not sure of copyright, <laughs> that's also why we're, we're not You know what you just music. did? Lou, you know what you just did? And you're going to laugh because you just had a whole Wendy moment. When I she be saying she, be like, saying she know, did switch over to the normal. <laughs> so I'm going to play the music on Patreon where I know I can't get sued, all right? So let me read, read this. This is housekeeping. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to Humanize. The show is sponsored by Blue Centric Shop, where you can get your spiritual baths, intention candles, or even book a tarot reading or one-on-one consulting session with me, Blue. That's Blue Centric Shop, B-L-U-E. C-E-N-T-R-I-C shop.com. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And for those of you who want to see the video from each episode, as I mentioned, early releases and bonus video content are available on Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash blue centric. And speaking of Patreon, this is the part where we say goodbye to our regular podcast listeners and the paying audience gets to listen to me and Jeff get drunk and talk about music. Um, until next time, uh, thank you for watching the show, guys. Humanize. Say bye, Jeff. Whoop, whoop. Bye.
Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. 